Howdy Strangers, Al Mirabella here, the host of Howdy Strangers, a podcast that's financial superposition is simultaneously bullish and bearish. Wow. I got my house broken into and my car stolen while I was sleeping last week. That not that exciting? <laughs> but you know what? Instead of being embittered by the situation, I'm trying to think about how lucky I am to have the opportunity to have my apartment broken into and have my car stolen. And that sounds like that sounds like toxic positivity. I know. But hear me out. Just like catch things from my perspective for one moment. That means that I have both an apartment and a car, which that's like I'm like better than like 90% of the population right there. It also means I'm alive and that I live on a planet I what I presume to be a round planet with other sentient living beings also experiencing a complex form of consciousness, a consciousness that has not only gifted some of them the ability to mastermind a plan to invade my home, but also made them multifaceted enough to place the plants on my windowsill delicately onto a paper towel <laughs> instead of tossing them into the yard like everything else in their way, which I did kind of, I found a little bit poetic, I won't lie. Uh, that is a marvelous and mysterious gift. Uh, uh, the universe is, you know... It's some shit. It's some shit, and I can't explain it. But I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm stoked to be living on it and participating in it, to be an active participant in the universe. I actually made a TikTok about the whole thing, which, not to brag, but has received almost 1,200 views. My second most successful TikTok to date, next to a random video of my cat that I posted and then accidentally deleted the next day when I went to show somebody how many views it had. Uh, you know. But speaking of TikTok. I have an actual successful TikTok guru, a true guru, on the show this week, who's going to try and help us make sense of the batshit news involving Reddit, GameStop, and some corny hedge funds or whatever. Seth Gavin, welcome to the program, buddy. How you doing? Doing great, man. That was a beautiful intro. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. Uh, I figured that I had to do something because, you know what? The, wor- the world is just news now. Like f- six years ago, sometimes there was news. And then for like four years, it was all news. But we were all like, well, yeah, but at- after that, it's not going to be news all the time. And now it's like, holy shit, there's more news than there used to be. How is that? I don't even know how that's possible. And now we're just making up weird situations. Maybe Army Hammer's a cannibal and maybe Reddit <laughs> is manipulating the stock market. I don't know. I don't know. It just feels like a grab bag. It feels like someone's doing a Mad Libs with like shit that could be happening on the planet right now. I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that's exactly what's happening. Somebody, God is just up there with a Mad Libs book, and he's like, "Oh, that sounds interesting. Send it down." And then it happens. Mm, we'll put murder and bees right next to each other. We'll just see like <laughs> kind of what happens or whatever. That's even old news. I, I'm not even. I can't even talk about that anymore because that's like, oh, that was that was a hundred cycles ago, literally, and nothing mm-hmm. ever really came of it. We found out that there were things that were eating them, and then they just disappeared. So, who freaking knows? That one day something is going to emerge, and you'd be like, something has been feeding on the murder bees, and they've run out of murder bees, and now they 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 thirst for human blood. God knows it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be Godzilla. Godzilla is going to be what happens. Like that's going to be the climax of of twenty twenty one. That would be tight, but honestly, I feel like we're we're some people have been like we're in the darkest timeline. I feel like we're in the lamest timeline. Where like everything that happens is so lame. I think that this 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 Reddit thing is an example of like that's just us being in like a lame timeline. Like yeah, this is uh this is how we crash the entire stock market. 
uh, or or whatever. Seth, explain this to me. What is happening? Lord, where to begin? Um, so this really got started back in November-ish of 2020. Um, some Redditors found, uh, found out that hedge funds were shorting GameStop stock. Shorting it so badly to the point that there were more shorts in existence than there were actual GameStop stocks. Um, and what a short means in layman's terms is that person A borrows from person B and then sells what they bought, or I'm sorry, sells what they borrowed to person C in the hopes that the stock will go down in price so that they can buy it back for and then sell it and then give it back to the person they borrowed it from for a profit. So they buy it for $10, it goes down to $5, they buy it back, give it back to the person who loaned it to them, pocket the five bucks. That's, in layman's terms, what happened here. So who is normally doing this this shorting? Is this always a thing that is like a, a position that hedge funds take? Is this what a hedge fund does? In essence, no. I can't give you a textbook definition of what a hedge fund does. They're kind of mysterious. They seem like fake companies. They're just that's like the a place that a villain in a movie works at, right? That's, that's kind of exactly <laughs> that's that's a really good definition, in my <laughs> opinion, because we don't really know what they do. We just know that they make a lot of money. We don't know exactly where it comes from. We don't know exactly where it goes. We just know that it exists and it controls the economy, <laughs> which is terrifying and pretty exciting that Reddit caught on to it and exposed it and took full advantage and beat them at their own game. Yeah, I think it's kind of fun. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to say I'm, uh, you know what, I'll go. I don't take firm stances on this podcast. I'm going to go ahead and say I'm firmly anti people who have too much money, I have enough money to just fuck around with people. I'm, I'm anti that. I think that there's like, if you're like, there's like three clicks below that, that you can have a ton of money where you're still cool. I'm like, whoa, that's cool. That guy's is like a giant yacht or whatever. But then there's a level where people have money where they're just like, well, I couldn't ever spend any of this. It's more, more than I could ever spend on anything. What if I just start taking other people's money? Which is basically the only way to get really, really rich anymore. That's basically exactly what these people are. They don't contribute to society. They literally steal from society. They were shorting GameStop to the point of bankruptcy and just watching it go down and down and down. They didn't care if, if GameStop went bankrupt. They were hoping for it. And that didn't matter if, you know, of course, nobody cares about the, the GameStop CEOs that have driven their business essentially into the ground. But there are thousands of employees that would lose their jobs. These hedge funds don't care about that. And I think that's what that's what Redditors over on Wall Street bets you know, kind of saw and took advantage of and kind of took back the market. Yeah, I, I think the idea that someone is shaking something up, whether they had to do it with positive intentions or not, I'm generally for the idea of shaking it up because I think if you, if you shake it up, something's going to like, you know, like silt is going to fall down to the bottom. And a lot of that sometimes archaic policies, but often just like archaic ideas of what this was. I think before this, a lot of people, I, I, for a long time, like when I had took economics in high school, I was explained like, oh, you know, the stock market works uh, based on people investing on or investing in the ideas of uh, whether they think a company will be successful or not, which 
I guess is technically kind of true, but no one told you that like in high school, whenever you were learning the basics of how the stock market functions, no one was like, but if you think someone's really going to suck ass, you can actually make money by exploiting those people, which maybe is not how things should work. I don't, I don't know that there is a right or wrong way that it should work, but it just seems like even if it's, and I've seen some people on my Facebook page and stuff that are like, you know what? We can't blame these hedge fund people for this. You know, they're they're out there losing money too. We shouldn't at risk we shouldn't want anybody to lose money. And like first off, everyone's going to lose money. And these are the same people a lot of the time have been like, well, you know, people out there take they take big risks. They pick themselves up by their bootstraps and I'm where I am right now cuz I was willing to take the risks and make the smart risks or whatever. But when they found out that they're they're the risk they were taking, the risk was more like, it was less of a financial risk, at least at the time, and it was more like risking that no one would find out how shitty the shit that they were doing was and that everyone would rally against them, which I think is kind of fun. And I have to, I have to agree 100%. Uh, when it comes down to it, we're supposed to be you know, a free market society where, exactly like you explained, uh, if we believe in a company, if we believe it's properly valued, we buy into it. We buy into that idea. And if we no longer like that idea, we sell it for whatever the market deems is its value is, whether that be at a loss or a profit. Um, what these, these people have done is shorting the company is like, well, you know, this company is, it, it is extremely undervalued, but we're going to make it so undervalued that they go under. Uh, we're going to manipulate the stock market to, to do whatever we want with this particular stock. And if anybody gets burned in the process, it's not going to be us, so we don't care. And that's just not the way that it goes, uh, or the, not, the, not the way that it's supposed to go. We found out on, what was it, Thursday? Yeah, Thursday, that that's exactly how it goes. Um, that these people behind the scenes are the ones that are calling the shots. And then you have people like Robinhood, TD Ameritrade, and other brokerages uh, whenever they start losing money because their investors allegedly, their alleged, their uh, their investors are the ones that are losing the money, they put a stop to it. That's not what a free market is supposed to be. Yeah, that, is that not in and of itself manipulating the market just to say like, hey, uh, you know, a small group of people are going to be very mad at us if we keep letting you do this, right? Like that's that's what I'm seeing. That's what I am kind of hearing in the general consensus of what the public's perception of what Robin Hood is doing. That's how it reads to me. Is that how you read that? That is how I read that. Um, but I, you know, I do just to play devil's advocate. I do see why they put a stop to to certain trading. I don't think they should have put a stop to all trading, but I do see a reason why they put a stop to some of it. It's because Robin Hood's business platform is is built around what's the best way to put this um, whenever you buy and sell stock on Robinhood or really any brokerage, but Robinhood especially um, they have a separate company that actually takes care of the transactions. Uh, they're called a clearinghouse. Um, Robinhood uses a, a company called Citadel who handles those transactions um, and then other brokerages use another one called Apex. Those are the two big ones. But Citadel, the reason this is so damning, in my opinion, towards Robinhood especially, is because Melvin Capital was lent 
some odd, almost $3 billion by Citadel who were about to go bankrupt. Melvin Capital was about to go bankrupt and Citadel lent them money and Melvin Capital are the ones that were losing so much money in GameStop. So this is all hearsay. This next part is all hearsay, but it's been rumored that Melvin Capital has told Citadel to influence Robinhood to shut down you know, GameStop trading because they were losing so much money. It was something like 13 or $14 billion that they had lost almost overnight. Oh, wow. That is an insane amount of money. Like more money than I can even process that a company would have to lose and not immediately be, are they, have this, is this like, is this a dissolved company now? Is this a company that can, can someone bounce back from this? Can they bounce back? Technically, yes, because what's happening right now with is basically just a giant game of chicken between the Redditors and Robinhood and, and Citadel and the hedge funds, if you will. Um, it's really a, a, a game to see who's going to, to crack first and sell. If it's the Redditors, then Wall Street wins. If it's Wall Street, then, you know, we win. Essentially, we take back the market. And I, I, I don't claim to be part of Wall Street bets. I've said it on my platform a few times that I, I did not get in on this gravy train. I didn't get in on, mm-hmm. in on this hype train. That's not who I am. I'm a very safe investor. But I still find it fascinating that the people who really are the, just the ordinary people who really didn't have anything to lose took everything from the people who had everything to lose. Yeah. And that's like definitely speaks to the idea that the the bigger they are, the harder they fall. People say, you know, you make a, 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 a take a take a big risk with a, the idea of a big payoff. And a lot of the time, it seems that folks who already have a lot of capital, folks that have a lot of uh, general wealth, they seem to forget that they can lose things like they try and do everything they can to manipulate not only the market, but like the the fabric of our government to to reduce the 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 to reduce the likelihood that they will lose in a given situation even if it means fucking over the rest of the folks out here and when you say i think it's interesting when you say that you don't consider yourself to be you know uh, a, a member of wall street bets i don't even know if you're on reddit and i'm definitely like i had, i'm not i have $500 that i invested into expa uh uh six months ago that my brother told me to do after we'd both crushed a 24 pack of bush light and I watched him win a game of modern <laughs> warfare and he won, he, he won, he won a battle Royale with a hundred people after he had drank like 10 beers while he was explaining this stock to me. And I literally Jesus. pulled my phone out and I was like, that's so fucking impressive. And I put $500 in, I lost $300 the next day. And that's my entire experience, uh, investing. But but I do, I say all of that to say that I still consider myself to be in something of a coalition, a coalition with these folks because they're the people who are more like me. They're just normal people. I'm not even subscribed to our Wall Street bets, but I'll look at their stuff when it pops up sometimes because I like the idea that people are out there trying to like, I'm not saying that those folks, no, a lot of them are not even smart with their money. You know, absolutely. Some of them are just purely gambling addicts, and I, I totally can see it. And that's kind of like the whole vibe of their site. They're like, yep, we're a wild bunch. We're just a, b- a bunch of mad lads. And this is like <laughs> such a mad lads situation to even be in. But I do find myself rooting for them in the same way that I find myself rooting for the uh, 
the the little guy in most situations. How do you think this is actually going to pan out, though? Do you think that this is a situation where Wall Street Bets takes it, or do you think this is a situation where these hedge funds take it? At this point, it's it's anybody's game, in my opinion. I would love to see it to to get to the point where they, it Wall Street Bets did end up taking it, um, because it it essentially it puts the power of the market back in the hands of the little guy, which is I'm all for. I'm I'm not even on Reddit, but I'm I'm watching with a keen eye, just wondering what the heck is going on, uh, because I. I had heard of Wall Street bets before all this, but I had never paid any mind to it. Um, this now I'm I'm just 100% invested. Like what's going on? And it is it is a lot of mad lads. I I know enough to understand what's going on and how it all essentially works to be like this is absolutely fascinating. I want to know more. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, honestly, I think even in the situation, in in the event where these you know huge hedge funds take this back and they still uh, come out with a financial victory at the end, I think that there's already been a huge moral victory on the part of the folks at Wall Street Bets because I feel like this has inspired people to understand the stock market in a way that they didn't before. I think that that there's nothing that's nothing but positive information out there that like is going to be useful for people in the long run. But I also think that it just shines a light on this like bigger problem that maybe folks weren't paying any attention to before. And the stock market is so complicated. It's one of those things that it's, it's like learning to play the bass guitar where you're like, this is so easy. It has four strings. And then by the end of it, you're like, is this maybe more complicated than the guitar? <laughs> I know that's like a weird metaphor there, but I do feel like there's, cause there's just so much, it's like all these little like nooks and crannies, these pockets. He's like, this situation's a little bit different. Don't get me started on the candles man they don't even look like candles i don't the candles do not look like candles um this is my war against the candles but you know what i feel like we've we pretty much i i think that you uh, are a good person to talk to about this because you are somebody who uh, seems at least via your tiktok to really have your head on straight when it comes to the way that you look at and perceive money and wealth so i do want to talk to you about that a little bit so first off have you noticed an increased interest in like your TikTok specifically in the advent of this Reddit GME situation? Are people on finance TikTok more? Are people engaging with your videos more? Do they want to talk about this? 100% more. Um, I've been at a pretty steady, uh, steady growth over, over the past couple of months on TikTok. Yesterday alone, um, I saw just an explosion of views, hundreds of thousands of views. I got thousands of more followers. Um, I'm just under 300,000 now, which is absolutely insane. I think I'm like 200 away from 300,000. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I was looking at your TikTok a few minutes ago, and it was like, oh, this he has 299.8 thousand followers. Great. Cool. I uh, <laughs> appreciate that. Try to get this motherfucker on a duet with me after this grow my podcast. No, I'm just messing with you. Um but I, I, first off, you you do have a really good TikTok page. I think that's why people engage with it. Very simple. Like in your explanations of things, you don't treat anybody like they're, they don't know what they're talking about. A lot of people act like a minute is not enough time to talk about something. And like, I feel like a lot of the time, by the time I'm 30 seconds into a TikTok that you've done, it's like, wow, I understand way more about that than I did when I started this TikTok. Well, that's a huge compliment. Thank you. Yeah, um, I, I I think that there are, there is, 
there's a very dubious side of not necessarily financial TikTok, but like money TikTok. There's like this this side of TikTok that's like, I'm going to get you rich really quickly in a way that you don't understand and did work for me probably, but I'm not going to tell you for sure. And I, you know, I get it because it's a, it's a, it's a young platform full of young folks that I think are sometimes impressionable, but more often than not, it's just like jubilant and optimistic. Um, there's like definitely like the, the faux pessimism side of the internet these days where everybody's like, everything sucks. But at the same time, I do think everybody is looking for a little bit of light. That's why platforms like TikTok explode, excuse me, explode in popularity. We can all take a sec to like, be like, man, the world really is on fire. But did you see that dance or whatever? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not on the dance side of TikTok. I'm on like on like farming TikTok and cast iron <laughs> skillet TikTok a lot. Uh. <laughs> I'm not on, I'm not on, my side of TikTok is the boring finance side. Like I, I'd like to think that my TikToks are decently entertaining. Um, but like the stuff that I watch is legitimately boring or Star Wars stuff. Like that's it. <laughs> do you feel do you feel like you uh, do you feel like you learn a lot from finance TikTok? I learn a ton from finance TikTok. Like I I know enough to get me by in a lot of subjects. Um, like like credit loans, all this stuff. This is what I work in. This is what I know. But there are so many good creators out there that have, you know, shine shine a light on things that I wouldn't have necessarily done a certain way, but they make complete and total sense at the end of the day. And I mean, I've, I don't know, I'd say that I knew, well, let's just say 1% of everything there is to know about finance. Uh, I feel like I know maybe 5% now just because of being on finance TikTok. Oh, wow. And you've definitely uh, uh, worked with some other finance TikTokers. You guys, I feel like there's some, some, some shout outs happening. I saw you even did a post where you're just like, hey, here's a list of other really great TikToks. I think that's so cool. TikTok's like a great site because there's like a community around creators. It kind of reminds me of the early days of YouTube. Um, I love when people engage with one another's content via like stitches and duets and stuff like that. It's just, it almost like, it feels like the cross-pollination is so natural on the platform. It, It makes sense that people experience such exponential growth so quickly sometimes but man tiktok's a hard nut to crack for a lot of folks i know that like personally i feel every time i'm so intimidated by tiktok whenever like someone's like yeah you do a podcast in a radio show and uh do other stuff you should make a tiktok i'm like dude that's that's a lot to ask tiktok is like it's a it's a scary platform at the same time because i feel like it's just a bunch of 17 year olds waiting to tell me fuck off like that's how it feels um i know that there are lots of adult people on TikTok, but whenever I, even when I get on TikTok, my attention span changes to that of a zoomer. And if I'm not, if I don't, if I don't get it within the first one half of a second, you are, I'm off that TikTok. I'm done. Yeah. That's, that's the terrifying part of TikTok is because even as a creator that has a decent sized following, I can still have videos that get less than a thousand views if I do not find the proper way to engage with people. So the most wonderful thing and the most terrifying thing about TikTok are basically the same thing is that your platform can explode or it can absolutely crash with the next video. It does not matter how big of a a following you have. Everything can just blow up again, or it can just absolutely crash. And it's, that's okay, but it's also horrifying. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's the way that TikTok works. It, 
literally doesn't matter what size following you have. And I that's it's very exciting for new creators because like I said, you know, like I was joking at the top of the show, but I did I made I've made like eight TikToks just cuz I, you know, for fun, not cuz I want to make a TikTok or anything. Uh and and it'll be, I, the first one I posted got like 2000 views. I was like this shit is easy. I'm a, this is my website. I'm going to blow up on this. Then I posted another TikTok like 4 days later that I put like the first one it was literally just a video of my cat. There was nothing in it. It was it was such a low effort shit post. The next one I had I spent like 30 minutes sitting doing all the editing and making it perfect and I was like this is it. This is my moment. And it got like 50 views, and I was like, what the fuck? This does not make any <laughs> sense. I don't care for this at all. And that's that's the whole thing, man. It's uh, like my first couple of videos did decently well. They got like a few thousand views. And then my fifth video blew up literally overnight, got over 100,000 views in less than 24 hours. And it was just, it was it was off to the freaking rat races after that. It was, uh, it blew up. And then after, I don't know, my biggest video has like 3.3 million views. But after that video, everything. Was that a bus it? it Was that a bus it meme? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But it was. I'm sorry. Go on. No, it's all good. Um, it was actually, it was a collections video. Um, how to remove derogatory remarks like collections from your credit report. And, I get why it blew up to the degree that it did, but I experienced what a lot of TikTokers just claim to be the apocalypse um, that, that a lot of people just do not recover from because they get discouraged and then quit. Um, and it was just like, my next video didn't even get 10,000 views. And I was like, what is happening here? Why are my followers not engaging with this? And it's because that's just not how the platform works. Just because they follow you doesn't mean they're, that you're going to show up in, in their page uh, their, their for you page. And, you know, you just got to find a new way to engage with people because the algorithm changes every couple of months too. Oh, wow. So where I know, I see a lot of like, uh, people are like, Oh, here's how TikTok works on my TikTok. And I'm, I'm, I'm always tempted to be like, well, I'll follow that. But then sometimes I, I think to myself, well, if it was that easy, everybody would do it. Um, what do you think? What are, what are some proven methods if I was like to try and, uh, you know, tick my talk? To take your talk, uh, within the first two seconds, like you said earlier, you've got to grab somebody's attention. If you do not grab their attention within the first couple of seconds, then they're going to keep scrolling. And that's just the way that the app works. Um, keeping Grabbing somebody's attention is the really easy part. Keeping their attention for the remainder of the time that they are there, that's the trick. And uh, what I have found that has worked best for me is to know that you're building up to something, but also keeping it engaging with relevant information. That's Mm -hmm. my entire approach to it. Everybody's going to be a little bit different because not everybody's going to be talking about finances, but if you can find just doing different jump cuts, every couple of, every couple of takes that's, that's worked out decently well for me. I found a way to consistently get over 20, 25,000 views per video. And that's pretty good engagement for what I do, I have found. 
I feel like it's probably even more of an uphill battle if if you're fighting with because you know when it comes to TikTok, most people are just scrolling their for you page. And and while I'm interested in finance TikTok, and I do like, I'll stop on a, a video where someone's trying to tell me how my money works or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, I am looking at a lot of like, you know, like you said, like just some Star Wars shit or whatever. So it's, it's definitely feels like an uphill battle to, to just be in that mode where I'm like sitting in the bathtub, drinking a glass of wine, looking at TikToks and like, no, I, I will stop and look at finance for a second when I'm engaged with other content. So I, I mean, I honestly, I applaud anyone who can make finance that interesting for other people, which I do think that you do a really good job of. And I would encourage anyone listening to go out and check your TikTok out. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. I've, uh, something that has stuck with me since high school. Um, and the reason that I think a lot of people have taken to what I do post something that, uh, one of my old history teachers taught me about writing of all things said that, uh, you know, you're going to have essays in this class and what you need to keep in mind is that not everybody has the, the same knowledge base that you do. And if you want to write an effective article or an effective speech or an effective, whatever, if you want to be an effective teacher, you need to act like your subject knows absolutely nothing about what you're talking about. So that's kind of how I've uh, approached my TikTok. Uh, each video, I assume that nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about. And I just start from scratch. Like I would explain it to a, a five-year-old. And I absolutely like, I feel that I vibe. I get it, dude. Cause I'm telling you there are TikToks that I watch where someone just, uh, they think that I know what I'm watching and I'm a complete and total idiot, but I'm like, not, I'm not <laughs> down on myself about that. I love that. I love that. I have the opportunity to learn. That's one of the things I like about TikTok. So much of TikTok is like focused around like learning and, uh, not even just learning like, you know, something like finance, but there's uh, an amount of like cultural exploration people even do on TikTok. I'm on like Native American TikTok. I'm like, damn, I, I love hearing what the Native American population, indigenous peoples of the world, like what they're up to and what they're doing. I feel like every time I open TikTok, A, I feel a little bad about myself because everyone's so hot on there. <laughs> but then also when I leave and I'm like, wow, I, I actually kind of like remember stuff. I find myself like, telling my mom stuff that I learned. And do you ever do this thing where like, I'll like listen to a podcast or like look at a Facebook post or something. And I will call that an article to my mom. I'll be like, I was actually reading this article about this thing, but it's just all TikToks now. She'll be like, where was that article? And I like, it's like a deer in the headlights. Like, and it's like, it was actually just something some guy said for 15 seconds on TikTok, but I do believe it. Or <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> whenever I first started out, I won't lie. Um, that is that is kind of what I did with my family. I was like, "Hey, guess what I learned?" Or, "Hey, guess what I did?" I'm like, "Oh, well, exactly. Where where did you find that out? Or where did you do that?" And it's like, "Oh, you know, the internet." Can I pivot? Can I pivot the conversation away from pivot, TikTok? Pivot the conversation okay. away from TikTok. <laughs> this is very important. This is actually the main reason I brought you on the show. On January eighteenth, twenty twenty, or I'm sorry, twenty twenty one, you posted a video about why. Uh, uh, your card's APR doesn't matter. Yeah. And I don't remember anything about that video, but in it, you were wearing a DeLunaFest 2011 t-shirt. Sure. What was your favorite band at DeLunaFest 2011? I'm not going to lie to you. I wasn't at DeLunaFest 2011. Wow, but you have the DeLunaFest 2011 t-shirt. That's a staff shirt, isn't it? That's, um, oh. it, it's, it's a lie. I've been exposed. I'm a fraud. Now, I got that shirt because I started a... Um, 
I started a, a freight business with my best friend and his um, his mom. And one of our one of our investors was the guy who created DeLunaFest. And um, they had Tristan all this- Tristan DeLuna. <laughs> Sorry. Would that be something? Uh, for for people who don't, don't know, people who don't live in Pensacola, Florida, that's the guy they say came and found Pensacola. He for didn't. Sure. There were a bunch of Native American people here, but don't listen to him. We still named a music festival after him briefly. And it was, it was the coolest music festival I think that I had ever, because I did go to the first one and I think it was back in 09 or 2010. And was uh, that with Bush? Was Bush there? Did Bush headline? I know that Daughtry. I remember. Oh yeah. I remember Daughtry, not Bush. You're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's Daughtry was the only one that I caught. It was after a, a Datgum band competition when I was in high school. I got to catch the last bit of Keith Urban and then I caught Daughtry. That's the only bit of Deluna Fest that, that sounds I tight. I would love to see Keith Urban and then Daughtry. It was really cool. It was a really cool transition. Like I'm not a huge country fan. Keith Urban puts on a great show, and then to transition, like you said, into Daughtry, fantastic. So you you started a freight company. What is this? Do you do that still? <laughs> I do not do that still. So my journey into finance is quite an interesting one. If you're if if you're interested, um, hey dude, we got time to fill, please. Sounds I'm just good. kidding. No, I am really interested. <laughs> Either way. Um, so I was a manager at Walmart. I worked at Walmart for about four years and my time at Walmart came to an end and I was like, I need to, I need to do something other than retail. So I took what money that I had saved up from, from my, my time at the, the big friendly blue menace and uh, started up that freight business and we ran it for about two years. It was, it was not profitable in the first year. It was profitable in the second year. And uh, it just got to the point where we didn't want to do it anymore because it was just mm -hmm. so exhausting because we were running it. And then myself and my best friend Brent were the ones that were also delivering everything. Uh, we, we weren't to the point where we could bring on any more staff, but we were also at the point where we were completely burnt out. So we ended up selling it. Um, the investors that were the, the people who behind, behind DeLunaFest, they were cool with it. After that, I applied at a job at a bank, at a local bank. Um, I don't want to say who. Um, and there's only, in, you, the, for the people <laughs> listening, there's only two options that it could possibly be. And I, but yes, a bank. Yeah, where people bank. go and there's money. Okay, <laughs> where people go and there's money. Um, got the job at the bank, and I I started learning all of this stuff that I kind of knew in the back of my head, but never really applied to my own life because I was busy, you know, just doing stupid crap in my early twenties. And uh, it got to the point where uh, after Walmart and in the middle of running the business, I almost went bankrupt personally. The business was doing great. Seth was not. So that's when I got like super, super serious about, you know, making sure that my credit was taken care of, making sure that my, my financial house was in order. And I applied, you know, my business tactics to my personal life. And then I got the job at the bank and I was like, yeah, I've, I've, you know, I've been doing all right, but I've been doing a lot of stuff wrong. So I started applying even more stuff to my own life. And I, I went from being almost bankrupt to having great credit um, and having a, a decent sized 
portfolio. And it was, it was just within, within a short, within a short two and a half years, I completely turned my financial life around. And now I'm, now I'm the guy who works in finance. <laughs> you know, my, my sister uh, works at a, a local bank call center and she's been there for like six months now. Mm-hmm. And she even just like the amount of stuff that she has learned. And my sister, she's not, she's not a quick learner. She's a very, very smart person, but she's someone who takes a really long time to like, uh, kind of incorporate knowledge into her life. But even man, she'll like, sometimes she'll just sit down and be like, would you believe X, Y, Z? Or like, we'll just be talking about something and she'll be able to chime in with so much knowledge. And I know that like a part of that is just the, the, brunt force of just being constantly exposed to it day after day after day. But I think that it speaks a little bit to a lack of like earlier financial literacy for her and definitely for myself. I'm personally very lucky. I'm from a family that um, has given me the opportunity to learn financial literacy. My parents are were never people who made a lot of money, but they've always been people who are very smart with their money. And, um, because of them, like I, I like stand on the shoulders of giants. Like I, I know that like, I mean, I'll be talking to people, um, from different socioeconomic paths, people who make the same amount of money or more money that I make. Um, and we'll just start talking about finances, not like getting into the nitty gritty details, but like, Oh, uh, you know, talking about like, what do you have any plans to invest or X, Y, Z? And the number of people I've met who just don't have any idea, like they're just like floating along in life. They're like, well, yeah, I never people, people I know who are like 29 who are just now starting to build their credit because they didn't realize it was an important thing because their parents never taught them that. Um, I think that there definitely needs to be more financial literacy, literate, excuse me. I think there definitely needs to, it was because I was trying to wipe my eye at the same time. <laughs> I think there definitely needs to be more financial literacy taught in in schools and uh, I'm not even going to say like, like I, you had to take economics when I was in school, but economics didn't, they just taught you how like the world economics worked. It didn't teach me like, oh, this is, this is how you should uh, think about spending your money in the future. You even had this one TikTok I was looking at where you were talking about uh, you know the old saying: if you can't, if you can't s- spend a thousand dollars, you can't spend ten thousand dollars or whatever, right? right? And I remember just like hearing that and thinking back to some stuff that my my parents had told me when I was like twenty, like twenty four, like probably like at a point where I had already finished college and was already like on my own doing my own shit. And it's like someone should have told me this before this point. Like someone should have sat me down and talked to me more about what my plan was, I think more than anything, I know I'm kind of on a tangent here, but like, it's so important to have a plan. It, it's not necessarily, I mean, it's doubly important with money, but like to just have a plan and to like sit down every once in a while and like step-by-step step figure out how you're going to get to that next point in life. You're talented and you've paid your dues. <laughs> Saying shit like I'm broke, I'm too old, I'm not smart enough is a joke and a waste of time. Everything is out there waiting for you. Go get it. Start. That is, but that was, I, I listened to that and I was literally brushing my teeth before this show, just watching some of your TikToks. And that's not a money thing. It can be a money thing. Yeah. But it's not a money thing. I see somebody like you out there 
taken life by the horns. You're like out there. T- making TikToks is a grind. It's like it is a thing. If you decide that you're going to make TikToks and you're going to be serious about making TikToks, you have to like structure your life around making TikToks and coming up with content. It's just what being a content creator is about. And that's exactly what my life has become. I mean, I work I work Friday through Monday. I work four 10-hour shifts. Um, I go up to go up to the place, do my thing, come home, film. Whenever I wake up, I film <laughs> on my days off. I take care of my other business ventures, um, and I'll I and I film. Like a majority of my free time now is film. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate you taking some time out of it to uh, to come on the the pod as well. So so another thing that you're doing, and I know that this is going to be past the point, this show comes out Sunday morning and you're doing this tomorrow, but you've got this TikTok gaming league. And I, I just want to hear more about it. How, like, what was that? What was the conception of that? Like, how did you come about? How did you get there, my dude? So the conception of that came when another content creator and myself were playing video games. His name's Inspector AJ. He's a, he's a home inspector in Johnson City, Tennessee, and he is freaking amazing. If you're not following him, you should be. But AJ and I were playing video games one night uh, as we had been for about a month. And we were like, you know, our, our engagement with our followers is just, it's next to nothing because TikTok does not push stuff like they used to. And they especially don't push live videos. I used to go live almost every day and I'd get anywhere between two and 400 people in there at a time. Now I'm lucky if I break a hundred and AJ was experiencing the same thing. So we're like, we need a way to, engage with our followers some more uh, because that's that's why we're here we're here to talk to them and educate them about stuff uh, what better way to just start streaming and then we we're like you know what let's take this a step further let's make an actual gaming league out of this and find a way to raise money for different charities and uh, our first one as uh, well as of right now yesterday uh, January the 30th uh, we're raising money for St. Jude's and I'm going to assume that it did pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see what happens with it. And I think that's just badass. I, every time I've ever gotten to a point where I'm doing something, because I'm, you know, I'm a man too. I've had a lot of ventures. I've done a lot of different things. And yes, it's neat to be like, oh, wow, people are engaging with me or whatever. But it's really cool when you can be like, how can I give back to somebody? And I'm not trying to be like, I'm not a saint. You know why I give back is because it feels fucking good for me. Sure. You know, not because I care about anyone else. I mean, I do, but that's like part of it. It's like, it's like there's like a, a high that you get whenever you're just like putting kindness and love and warmth out into the world, which is exactly what you're doing by doing that. And and hey, you know what? If you're glorifying yourself a little bit while you're doing that, that is not obviously not the purpose and never should be. And it doesn't seem like it is in any of your videos, but like, that's just a little, that's just the icing on the cake, baby. You know what I mean? Like, 100%. it is... It's solid. I, I'm glad that you're engaging. I saw that you gave away your stimulus check as well, tried to raise a little bit of money for, what was that? Who were you doing that for? So the, the stimulus check giveaway was for an organization called the Exodus Road, which is one of my favorite charitable organizations on this planet. If, if not, you know what? I'm going to say it. It's, it's my favorite. I can't think of anybody I like more than them. What they do is they go into the red Get light. Get out of here, St. Jude's. <laughs> Love St. Jude's. <laughs> Love St. Jude's. But the Exodus Road, uh, what they do is they go into the red light districts of the world where 
children are being trafficked, uh, trafficked for sex, trafficked for drugs, drug smuggling, you name it. If, if it's an atrocious act, then children are being exposed to it and they're being trafficked to make these garbage people money. Um, what they do is they go in there, they gain intel on who's who's doing it, how they're getting funding, and a lot of time it's from local politicians or local crime rings, um, and they find a way to persecute the people that are doing it and also save the children who are, are being exposed to this. Then they take it a step further. Going in and, and saving the children wasn't enough for them, so they found a way to rehabilitate them and also provide them with jobs so that if they did decide to assimilate back into society outside of these halfway houses, um, that they could, they would have a way to do so. And they would have a skill whenever they got back into the world. And uh, I got I got exposed to them through a, a band that I, I love called Remedy Drive, who has made three sex trafficking albums now, anti-sex trafficking albums. Yeah, let's say anti at the beginning. That sounds <laughs> real, real weird if you don't. Yeah, real, real, real weird. Uh, I got exposed to the, the Exodus Road through a band called Remedy Drive, who has made three anti-sex trafficking albums now to date. Uh, most recent one just came out on the 29th, just a few days ago. Um, their lead singer, David, uh, is a good friend of mine. And he told me, he sat me down. He's like, Seth, I'm going overseas. I'm going to partner with this, this organization called the Exodus road. I'm going over overseas and I'm, I'm going to find out how I can, you know, help these girls and boys that are being trafficked. And, uh, ever since then I've, um, I've done research upon research upon research and found out that there are more people enslaved now than any other time in history. And, uh, a large part of that is sex trafficking. And, uh, ever since then it's held a really, really tight spot in my heart. And I've done everything that I can to use my platform to bring a light to it and, the money that we are going, that we are raising as part of my stimulus check giveaway is going to the Exodus road. And we've raised a few hundred dollars at this point. Seth, that's badass. It's, you know what? You've done a lot of other cool stuff, but that's probably so far. I'm not going to lie. Probably the coolest thing that you've done yet. Uh, and I'm excited to see what happens with this, this, uh, this TikTok gaming league. I'm sure this is just the first event of many and it's an exciting thing to get to use your platform for. So I, I think it's pretty cool. I appreciate that, my friend. It's um, it's something that I am I am very proud of. Uh, it's something that is it, it warms my heartstrings to see that so many people are also taking to it because um, we've had literally literally hundreds of people be like, "This is the greatest thing that I." They they're in total agreement with you. This is the greatest thing I think you've done with your platform. Um, thank you for doing this. And I've I've even had a few people who are like. I was a victim of sex trafficking. I was sexually abused as a child. Thank you for doing this. And it's like, I never expected that, but it's just like you said, the icing on the cake, the cherry on top. Like I don't do this for glory, but it feels amazing that I'm able to help people that have been in that situation. Yeah. When you start giving back to people, it's amazing too, because at, at, every time I've ever given back, I've just trusted in the universe. Some people call it trusting in God. I, I'd call it both, you know, trusting in God or trusting in the universe, trusting in the plan. Sure. I feel like I always get whatever I put out back in just, just, I mean, talk about investment. I mean, the, the investment of, 
uh, uh, caring about other people and taking and uh, using my life and my platform for the betterment of folks around me. Not to say once again, it's not, I don't do, it's not, it is, it is a completely selfish act for me because I've just never had an experience where I've ever given my time or money or energy away. And I did not immediately start seeing it come back to me more than I've ever seen it before. Uh, you know, in the times where I've had like intense financial struggle, I still try and take the opportunity to, to, to tip a waitress well, which by the way, if you can't afford to tip a waitress well, don't go out to eat. Okay? Amen. Or later, Thank you know, but <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> I just, yeah. And it, I, I trust it. I, I can tell that you're a person who is just overflowing with love and kindness and goodness, Seth. I hope honestly that I get a chance to have you back on the program. I, I'd like to talk more about, with you about all this stuff. I feel like we could go on forever. It is kind of a late night. We recorded late. You gave me the opportunity to, to talk to you this late in the week. And I know that you've got to work on getting your TikTok gaming league going, dude. So I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I know that I basically plugged all your shit for you, but please do me a favor and plug it all again. Man, I appreciate you having me on. It's been an absolute blast. And I hope that I get to come back soon. And I hope that you and I get to talk on, on one of my platforms sometime quite soon. Um, if you want to follow me, um, my, my main platform is TikTok. I'm at Seth.Godwin. You can also find me by searching a guy who works in finance if you don't want to remember my name. Um, and you can find me pretty much everywhere else at Seth Godwin. Is it, is it at Seth Godwin or it is at your TikTok is at Seth dot godwin as well yeah tiktok is at seth dot godwin everywhere else instagram twitter i think that's all i have (laughs) pretty sure that's all i have yeah that that's just at seth godwin awesome well thank you seth thank you yeah thank you my friend Howdy strangers, Al Mirabella here, coming at you after the fact to let you know that uh, Seth and the other TikTokers live stream raised $5,200 for St. Jude's last night, which is very, very cool, hella awesome, and uh, the guy is out there earning a lot of good karma and securing his place in the throes of TikToker destiny, so go out, follow him, follow all of his stuff. Follow us, follow me, follow uh, us on Twitter at at howdy underscore strangers and on Instagram at howdy.strangers. If you like the show, leave a review. Or don't, I'm not your boss. Uh, but also consider sharing with your friend. And I am going to say do do that. Do do. Anyway, I'm going to say do do that, and I am your boss when it comes to who you share podcasts with. But otherwise, I love you. I hope you have a good rest of your week, and uh, we'll catch you next week.